host, Ben Tallon, and it is a big day for me. It's the launch day for Yemum and other stories from the back streets of Britain. It's my third book. It's the second of the fiction kind, and I'm in a reflective mood, so I wanted to share some of my experiences of the traditional publishing and indie publishing worlds. Limited as that experience may be, I think there is some value for anybody who has aspirations, ideas, or is even midway through publishing their own or having their work published for the first time for the multiple times. It doesn't matter, I'm just going to share some experiences and tell the story of these books because I think there's a lot of accidental and organic happenings in them. But as we know, when you strip those things back, the story is apparent and there is always a golden thread which can help us find a way forward in this crazy industry. So I hope it's going to be some help for you guys. Thank you so much for the big support behind the last two episodes, which was very exciting. I had a lot of... Um, a lot of love for all the projects across the two-part special, which was the self-initiated creative work showcase. Um, I enjoyed doing that. There was a lot of work on there by people who I've gone on to become friends with through discovering their work and reaching out to them. Uh, there were strangers on there, people that I might never meet, whose work is equally awesome. It's just exciting when you get to spend time talking about work that you love, that is fantastic, innovative, forward-thinking, and just entertaining, you know? I think we forget that that's why we're in this game sometimes, to have fun and to amuse ourselves and others doing something that we give a shit about that resonates with a lot of people. So cheers for that. The numbers were good. It, it marked a significant rise. Maybe it means more people are going to work. Sadly, people are probably just about to be stopping going work again because we're in one of the biggest clusterfucks we've ever seen, which is COVID-19 and the UK government. But we won't go there. We won't get political today because it's a celebration for me personally. Um, and I never do these things just to bang the drum about my own work. If I did that, I would have done it long ago. I remember when um, it got to the 100th episode and I was asking people who they might like to see as a guest. And I had some fantastic suggestions. And I was caught off guard by a number of people saying they wanted to hear from me. So that was quite funny and I could never do that. That would be incredibly arrogant. That said, I do have a couple of ideas for that very angle. But there is a big angle. It's a big twist. I'm not going to go into detail because I may yet do it. But I'm never going to sit there and just bang my own drum. And that's not what today is about. The reason I'm going to share this story is because I think in today's world we have the tools at our fingertips to go indie and to publish our own work. And um, there are massive opportunities, but there are also massive drawbacks, intimidations. There's a lot going on. Um, and it's the same with the publishing world, you know, it's, I think people sometimes see it as this golden um, golden moment getting published, you know, it's going to be my, my break, and it might be, uh, but, but there's a lot that comes with that to unpack that I think uh, I certainly never knew as a first-time author when I released Champagne and Waxed Crayons, and I think a lot of people get caught out and end up disillusioned by it. So I'm going to break those things down, it's only my experience, so I want to profess all of this by saying it's not a guide, not a how-to, it's not any kind of authoritative um, insights. It's simply one man's experiences that I'm going to put down for those who might go where I've already gone and where I'm about to go with this book, Your Mom. So I hope you enjoy it. Get us your feedback at a rest on the mix. Quick thank you for the vital sponsors for this show, the Association of Illustrators, supporting the illustration industry with contractual, professional um, and development advice theaoi.com and Illustration X founding sponsor been here since day one pivotal role in getting the show started um, fantastic illustration agency representing a lot of animators artists 
typographers, illustrators, gift makers, they're really broad. Um, global agency, so right across the planet. And they are indeed a, a part of 1% for the planet, which is a bigger green initiative. And uh, they have their own thing going on, which is 10 million trees. I believe their goal is to plant 10 million trees by 2030. And they're a part of an event, which is a free event, and it's online, it's on Eventbrite, you can look for it now, it's called Rewilding, tapping into the power of nature. So if you're like me and you get on existential crises about the state of the environment, it's probably something that you want to take part in. So here's the deal, 1% for the planet has invited Rewilding Britain's Chief Executive, Rebecca Wrigley, to explain what rewilding is and its role in allowing flora and fauna to find a natural balance. She will talk us through rewilding projects and show their impact. The charity Rewilding Britain wants the rewilding to flourish across Britain to tackle the climate emergency and extinction crisis, reconnect people with the natural world and help individuals and communities thrive with new opportunities. Rewilding can reverse the loss of biodiversity in large core areas of land, restore ecosystems to a functional and resilient state, reignite people's passion for the natural world, revitalise local economies in ways that work ecologically, reintegrate nature and society for the benefit of both reintroduce key missing species where it makes sense so that's the deal go and check it out it's on eventbrite and thank you to illustrationx.com so i'm going to release an accompanying piece on soundcloud and on all the podcast feeds wherever you're listening to this uh, with a little sample some uh, exclusive readings for you lovely podcast listeners from the book if it's up your street go and buy it now at ben talent writer com out today it's incredibly exciting for me i'm a very new but very passionate writer and author um it's amazing when people buy my work and give me feedback so thank you to everyone who's done that so far it's a huge confidence boost for somebody who is very much riddled with imposter syndrome in this whole new game um i'm going to get into depth about both well all books um in a moment so just a big thanks to everyone who's done that go and check out my new website i love your feedback bentallenwriter.com um, I had fun doing that and branding myself, you know, 12 years as an illustrator and then suddenly deciding to fire up as a writer as well. And there's obviously a great synchronicity between the two where they meet in the middle. So, you know, it's exciting for me to create this ecosystem among those things and, of course, this podcast. And I find for a mind like mine, which requires variation, it's really important so I can bounce between wherever I'm feeling passionate or wherever the work is, in fact, at any given time. So, you know, um, lots of other lessons on the previous two episodes of the podcast about that about you know leading your own direction go and check that out so here's the deal i've got three books out um i've written each very accidentally there's been steep learning curves left right and center with each one many highs some valuable lows i find that all lows can be quite valuable if you can bracket them as such and learn how to learn from them swing a tape um so I wanted to recount them on this day of the release of your mum. Uh, so let's go back. My own backstory with writing. So I drew, basically. I drew a lot as a kid. But I always loved books. I had a deep love of books and an even deeper love of storytelling and characters. Um, and it's quite funny, you know, that, that keen reading. I was very competitive at school and I think it set me up with at least a reasonable base of grammar that, you know, it, to this day it needs some fine tuning, but it gave me enough to work with. And it was actually my strongest GCSE, English. I got B in both literacy and language. Got C in art, C in sport. These were things I was passionate about, but I didn't particularly connect with them in the way they were taught at school. 
English however I did I loved the opportunity to write and tell stories but like a lot of things you know you don't consider the thing you do naturally and the thing that you love to do in your own time as anything that you could build a career from especially when the lay of the land is not very obvious in the arts however I've always been writing on and off storytelling obsessed I've always made, made characters from friends on nights out um, in projects I love the likes of wrestling and comics where larger than life characters thrive and I've always kind of found ways to spice up spice I can't say spice up my life without thinking of spice girls sorry <laughs> to keep you know to find ways to make things that might seem boring on the surface fun it's the nature of his projects your moments these found items in the street which you'll find in dreary downbeat locations but to me it gives them a little lick of magic and that's what I've always tried to do but I didn't write beyond GCSE in any capacity you know I would whinge when we got essays at university and everything else until 2011 when I hit my first real bumpy patch as a freelance illustrator I think it was about eight weeks without any work and you know you're panicking looking at the overdraft and all the rest of the stuff that you guys will be well familiar with I think everyone's had that at some stage continues to have it they always come back around you know it's been quiet recently during coronavirus but you just get more used to weathering the storms and I began to rant on tumblr I set up a blog and I went mental it was venomous that you know this isn't what this isn't the reality of freelancing people are just posting the good stuff on Instagram and of course people are just posting the good stuff because that's what it is isn't it? it's a highlight reel it'd be a bit weird if you were posting pictures if you sat there in your kecks at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning so it wasn't so much that I had disdain of that it was more that I wanted to see a, a rounder conversation about the ups and the downs so I started to chart some of the downs and I you know I wrote the highlights and eventually with uh, kind feedback of a handful of people through Twitter and other channels it was brought to my attention that this writing was all right that it had a voice a strong voice it was grammatically okay you know needed some work but it was good enough and with a good editor it would be knocked into shape and I never thought about this I was only doing this as self-therapy so I kept doing it because that gave me a huge boost and I kicked on and I wrote this blog and I ended up with enough of a you know enough copy as for a manuscript essentially in my in my lap about 80,000 words and then I binned it and I started again because I realized you know the first incarnation of what would become champagne and wax crayons right in the madness of the creative industry was in fact um, a one-year window into the life of a freelancer and I hadn't really thought that through it just seemed like a tangible amount of time you know to do this thing but in fact I thought hang on there's a better story arc here and, it, and it's the same journey that a lot of us have had whether it's you know drawing as a kid doing it at school probably failing in academic subjects it's not that's not the case for everyone but for a lot of us I think it is then it's going to college and it's hopefully finding a few accidental mentors and somehow stumbling our way into this industry and I wanted to tell that story with a what's and all brutally honest account of one guy's experience and it wasn't an ego trip it wasn't me writing an autobiography it is autobiographical but the idea was that you could connect your own nuances and for example whilst I was passionate about wrestling and I used football to get my first clients you know maybe your nuances are that you were passionate about I don't know strictly come dancing and maybe you used a love of feminism to get your first jobs that's for you to decide but the idea was that you could become my protagonist in this book and you would relate to all these experiences because we were all going through it and that's what I wrote basically and what I'm a big believer in is that when you put these work you're doing out of pure passion for you 
and maybe a handful of others into the world you will unlock doors things will happen people will connect people will see something and bring to your attention things that maybe you never thought of and that's what happened to me so i started going out with my uh, now wife laura talon and at the time luck would have it uh, she just started working at a small boutique business publisher in london called lid and it also just so happens that that job had come around thanks to the help of david woods hale who was a laura's friend her ex editor a magazine where she was art director and he was now editor of lids books and laura had mentioned in passing conversation in the workplace that her new fellow me was writing this book and had put a manuscript together and he uh, that's as far as he got and david liked the sound of it and he said you know maybe there's something in this maybe we could uh, dip our toe in the arts you know there could be something in this book long story short we met for coffee david loved the book I loved the idea of getting a publisher on board and bringing this thing out there because I had no idea how to do it indie style and would have not dared do that. And I jumped at the chance. Um, I initially turned down the deal because I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't feel like the book was quite there yet. I had all the hang-ups that artists tend to have. But thanks to David, he talked me round. We got it over the line and I got a book deal, a traditionally published book deal. So that's where we're going to kick off. That's the first model I'm going to look at. And I hope it will. I hope the, the whole hope for this podcast is that it will help you guys decipher for any work you might have done that you might want the help of a publisher or you might want to self-publish. Might help you see the wood for the trees and get a sense of some ups and downs I experienced that I would not have known about had I not experienced them. And hopefully, it will help you out before you get to that point. Um, so, Champagne and Wax Crayons: Riding the Madness of the Creative Industry was published by Lid Publishing in London. They have offices in Madrid and New York in 2015 and it was incredibly exciting you know to have written this thing in my bedroom and suddenly find out that there was a market for it really really got me going so i came to the deal without much of a clue david was uh, an amazing help as editor he really kind of held my hand in terms of the editorial process uh, being my editor for the book he also he clued me up completely about how a pr campaign would work how, you know what kind of trajectory there would be from the point of editorial um, refinement of the book right through to the thing hitting the shelves how long would that be what would it look like how would we promote it who would promote it um, was there going to be any money to put in uh, all these kind of things and there was there was a small upfront fee with this publisher to get my own printed copies of the book I forget how many is standard for a publishing deal but I was given 300 and I think I put in about 1500 quid if memory serves for all I know, I might have got my legs slapped. Maybe, you know, I should have been getting the advance. But to me, this seemed like a investment that I would make that money back. I did make the money back in the long run, but, I, you know, there's no point going into detail with that. I just saw it as, here's a chance to get 300 copies of the book. I can make some money back by selling them. I can use them for press and hopefully get some sales by doing it that way. So what do you get from a publisher? This is the thing, right? So your royalties are going to be very small. That's standard. Unless you are a J.K. Rowling or a um, Audrey Niffenegger or you know someone who's just hit that big bestseller right out the park and is on a in a position to agree terms that are uncommon, then you are looking at somewhere in the region I think of ten percent royalties. I can't remember the exact figure in my case, but I was essentially seeing one pound ten or maybe one pound twenty in every book sold and the book was sold at a cover price of 12.99 now 
so it's kind of really small but you do get a lot of ups so the ups of getting a publishing deal are you get the book designed so there will be an in-house designer or a freelance designer assigned to your book the book will be printed and the publisher will handle the printing process um, of the book so let's say there's a major fuck up and you get the author's name wrong um, they will pay for the reprint okay distribution so the author will distribute the book to shops um, get it placed hopefully you know if you're lucky in wherever you want to get it placed whether it's Waterstones or Magma or tiny little independent bookshop trade fairs they will go to trade fairs and manage the translation and media rights of your book so let's say Netflix want to make a short series they will deal with that they will broker the deal they will cut you in you'll get an advance and it will all be handled and you'll get a nice lump sum they manage the financial side so you will get a yearly royalty check and it will be broken down and you will be able to go and ask questions about that um, other media uh, like I said there's a lot there's plays there's um, you know placement is important you know you can go to the publisher and go look I'd love to try and get this in foils or fop whatever it might be you know and there'll be a conversation there and like I said the publisher attends the London Book Fair the Bologna Book Fair a lot of the big book fairs around the world and they will sit there and your title will be a part of their catalogue and they will try to get you a translation deal which usually involves an advance and then another royalties deal so you know I was fortunate enough to learn that my book had been picked up and translated into Japanese with EG Press, who are a Tokyo-based book publisher. And EG Press were absolutely wonderful. I've become good friends with Yukiko, who is the... I forget her title, but she works at EG Press. And she's awesome, and she's since commissioned me for illustration projects on other books. Um, I get feedback from Japanese people. I remember there's a bit in Champagne and Watch Crayons where I'm always preaching the value of a brew get a brew take stock you know pick yourself up from these moments that we have in freelancing and I got someone from Japan emailing me about the importance of kettles and I thought it was absolutely wonderful and mind-bending so you do get experiences like that which are really quite they're not impossible but they're much tougher if you're on your own and you've generally got to invest in invest money for someone to translate the book so that's an advantage to a publisher uh, a traditional publishing deal so I found lids um, they were great for the most part especially in those early stages you know we had a small PR team that again they're a boutique publisher so you can't expect the weight of the machine throwing behind it like you might get you're not guaranteed to get at a uh, penguin or a random house but you might get more of a one-to-one -one connection with someone that smaller publisher so that's something to consider with the size of the publisher that you're going to opt for you know I've recently been chatting to Jenny Robbins who was on the last podcast about her graphic novel Biscuits and I'm going to feature Jenny on a full episode because Biscuits is absolutely fantastic. It's a graphic novel about the lives of women in London and it's written with such um, humility and black comedy and wonderful cynicism but also tenderness. It's a really really great book, wonderfully illustrated and that's been brought out with Myriad Editions and I weren't aware of Myriad Editions before this so I'm going to investigate because I've been creating my own graphic novels called The, the Medium Man and I've been thinking about indie again for every single book I do I will make a decision individually on whether that book is fit for a traditional deal or an indie deal and it's why I swing between the two so like I say Champagne was awesome the press was pretty good I got it mainly myself so in the creative industry it was it was mind-blowingly good I mean I'm not blowing my own trumpet you know I expected to get like a three stars or a decent debut here are the drawbacks but actually um, I remember Piers Mortimer from Designers Block who's pretty respected in the design industry in London 
sidling up um, on the end of a row for a talk I did at London Design Fair about about champagne, and I didn't know it was Piers at the time, and uh, you know he, I hadn't met him in person. I'd met Bud Moore from Designers Block, but not Piers, and it was Bud who got me booked to do the talk. And Piers turned up and he was watching the talk and. He came up to me afterwards and he said, um, I just wanted to come and say how much I love the book. I think it's the, um, a book the creative industry needed, to be quite honest. You know, the honesty and the, 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 the angle. And it's amazing. Those moments can really uh, make or break a venture like this. So that was incredible and the feedback was great. I got most of the press myself because of my connections in the creative industry, because of my drive and because it was my book. And there's all, this is the thing to learn, right? There's only you who can get behind the book with the gravitas it needs doesn't matter whether you're with Penguin, doesn't matter if you are with Random House or Bloomsbury. They'll have a team or an individual assigned, but the truth is it falls largely on you to sell and market and promote and to get out there and do the legwork. So that's not a, that's a misconception that I fell into when I took on the publishing deal. I expected a lot more from the publisher in terms of marketing. And it wasn't that Lid did it badly, it was more the fact that they were taking a bit of a gamble by stepping into the creative industries and they didn't quite have the know that perhaps a Bloomsbury who's got a dedicated department in illustration or design might have had. So I did blame them at times, but I came to learn that that's just kind of standard and as an author it does fall on you to shift your own work. What the publisher is doing is giving you the means to get the book out there, but they're not going to sit there all week, every week, shouting about your book. Unless, again, of course, you are J.K. Rowling, at which point it absolutely benefits them to do so. So that was my misconception, and that doesn't change whether you've got an indie deal or a publisher. You might get a bit more assistance and you might have a person to come and vent to or talk to, but the truth is, it's it's going to come back to you. Um, I think sales-wise, moderate. For me, fantastic. Um, the book has sold probably in the region of about 2,750 copies worldwide. That's largely in the Japan and the UK, but a good number in Europe, South Africa, um, North America, South America, in fact. I've had a few Argentinian people getting in touch, which is, again, amazing. Colombian, um, Belarus decent little audience there because I got asked to go and talk at the Minsk International Book Fair and I've been back since. So there are so many awesome things about bringing out a book but that's the overall thing really. You know those big ups are the fact that the, the whole process is handled by people whose job it is to print, to design, to distribute. The downs, uh, length of contract so you can end up in a 14, 15 year contract and if that book has bottomed out or it's plateaued and you want to move on with it and you think you can do better with somebody else or on your own, you ain't getting out of that contract so it's going to be expensive if you want to try. So you need to think about that and make sure it is the right publisher or just accept that sometimes they might just die with that publisher and you have to wait for the contract to end before you can give it another edition or another life or another kick down the road. Um, sadly for me, David left the publisher not too long after editing the book and I found that with him went my biggest ally. And you know, don't get me wrong, David had got a really great gig elsewhere and he'd, he'd, had, he'd done his time at Lid and he moved on and it was fantastic. And David is my editor actually on, on Your Mum and my first fiction book, Isolation Watch, so we've remained great friends ever since. It's just that these things happen. And then I found after that that without my greatest ally at the publisher, I just became another author on the roster. And what happens is um, you will get that golden patch where your book's out and there's a launch period but the truth is that they move on to the next thing because that's what a publishing business model is. It's not just lid, it's what happened with anyone. So you have to be aware of that and it really does fall upon you to keep pushing. So it's just something to bear in mind. Um, so many, many amazing experiences. Um, I don't know if I'd go traditional again. It would have to be a damn good deal. There would have to be better royalties and I would have to 
trust that they understood the market that said book was going to be for. Never say never. I'm sure I'll do it down the road. For sure I will. But for now, I'm testing the waters with going indie. So let's get into that then. What does that mean? So it means self-publishing. It means you are making a decision to bring out your own body of work, be it a graphic novel, be it a fiction novel, be it a book of short stories. In the case of your mum, it is 21 illustrated short stories. So I'll give you a little bit of an overview. Um, regards fiction, simply I didn't have the balls to do it, or the confidence. I thought, I've written a non-fiction book, I got a lucky break, I've got it out there, it's done alright. But I ain't going to start writing fiction because I'm no Stephen King. And I didn't give myself enough credit because what I didn't have a great enough appreciation of at the time was the fact that you can transfer creative knowledge and experience to various fields. So by the time we reached 2018, I'd kind of gotten past that and I'd started thanks to my friendship with Rob Bartlett, who is a sports journalist, but he also writes in his spare time and we share a very uh, droll sense of humour, quite dark at times. And between us, we would create these characters through weird mediums, like just texting each other these little scripts or WhatsApp voice note conversations, which could go on for days and weeks pretty much you know radio players soap operas with characters and there came a point when I thought there's something in this our brains connect here in a way and we are coming up with really quite interesting and deep characters and I want to start writing about them so that's what I did and I remember Tom Gold coming in to my university to do a talk in 2006 when I was in my third year on my illustration degree and Tom had been publishing his own comic books for some time in the likes of Magma and other independent shops and through his own website, I think it was Canon, was it Canon Press? I think it was. And they were awesome, they were so funny, they were so unique, there was only Tom's brain could produce them. And yet, I found myself relating to the sense of humour and loving the illustrative style. And I grew up with an uncle who had a load of original punk zines at the time, you know, these really rough and ready, chopped up pieces of work. And I think that indie gives you the scope to do that. And here's what was going on. So I was writing these stories and I hadn't considered releasing them in any way. I was just writing them because it was a new hobby and it was a personal passion. And suddenly I realised that maybe I could write fiction. I knew how to tell a story because I'd grown up all my life loving storytelling, appreciating why a film was good, why a book worked, why a certain character was so despisable, why a heroine was so lovable. And it was incredible. You know, it was just there in me. So it kind of began to flow and I gathered the confidence and thought, you know what? fuck this, I can be a fiction writer. So I started to do it. Going indie is a very daunting prospect. So what happened is this. I, with Rob, my friend, one of our in-jokes was the found items that you find in the street. Um, beer can, mattress, fag butt, dog shit bag on a tree, um, laughing gas canister. These were things that Anybody who'd spent time walking the streets of Britain would recognise. And we were intrigued as to what was the story. How had that single shoe ended up there in the street? You know, why was that kebab tray blowing around that street on a Sunday morning? And what was the chaos that led to it being there? We, were, we loved that and we were fascinated by it. And one day Rob said to me, you do realise this is crying out for your illustrative style. It needs to be a montage of British subculture artefacts. And... I loved that idea and it took me six months to do it 
and these things always kind of seem to happen at the right time and I think you get used to trusting that with more experience so I did it and I put together a montage print and it got awesome feedback and you know just because people liked how naughty it was how raw it was how disgusting this stuff was and the fact that I'd chosen to do it as a creative project and after that feedback I it felt wrong it didn't feel finished I didn't want to walk away yet so I looked at what I'd been writing and I thought there's a few stories in here that are just these moments, these experiences of growing up or these odd characters and they would plug perfectly into this series of artworks. And once again, this is the way these things dovetail. I'd met Nick Hasbury, who's a, he's a wonderful writer based in Manchester, works globally with design agencies and Nick produces his own um, independently produced books and he's had a couple with a traditional publisher so I emailed Nick and Nick being a lovely fellow that he is got back to me with all this advice and he tipped me off to Clay's who were a publisher and they work with indies as well as just the big publishing houses you know because a lot of publishers will only do work if it's a big big run thousands of pounds and thousands of issues so I got a quote and it was more affordable than I thought so the wheels started turning and I thought do you know what I'm gonna go for this. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it out. I'm gonna call it No, actually I didn't think this. I didn't have a title, but I thought I'm gonna do this as a book. A collection of short stories, each story based on the concept of these found items in the street and, and what might that backstory have been. And I loved it. And once I get an idea like that, I get very, very um obsessive and I can't leave it until it's done. So I ripped this thing up and I really worked my balls off to make it happen. And really quite quickly I ended up with the manuscripts and all these artworks. Then what had happened, and I think this is an important lesson, um, I had set up an Instagram channel called App Stories for the Apocalypse, and it was really to give myself a space where I could be free form in sharing some of these character and story ideas by posting short stories on an Instagram channel and not having to worry about them being fine-tuned and finished. And, you know, you get feedback, you get fans, you get people who catch on to this and start liking the posts and it encourages you. And that's what I did. So throughout lockdown, I wrote Isolation Watch, Falling Apart in the, in the Pandemic. I didn't know it at the time that I was writing it, but I was doing this daily serialised diary format story of a suburban neighbourhood coping or not coping in a black comedy way throughout lockdown. And that's what that book was. And I gave it a soft release. And that was my way of dipping my toe in the indie market. And learning what was what. Learning the lay of the land. I found the self-publishing show run by Mark Dawson and James Blatch. And it's a fantastic podcast. Really breaking down the indie market and all the opportunities out there for doing it your own way. So I learned a hell of a lot. And I thought, ah, your mum absolutely has to be indie. I can afford to print the book. I have a little bit of money to invest in a new website, doing all that stuff. And I just got the bit between my teeth and I wanted to give it a go because I didn't want to relinquish the same amount of royalties that I did in my publishing deal. And I understood that the shortfalls were going to be, you know, we'll go through them in a minute, but the shortfalls were going to be quite predictable, you know. Um, one of the upsides to a publishing deal that I forgot to mention is prestige. You know, the fact that you are published, that you have a properly published book. It doesn't mean that an indie book, book is any less. In fact, it's not, and they're often more. It's just that people's perception of self-published books is still less than a, than a traditionally published book. The minute you go, oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's my own book, it's not with the publisher, you can kind of sense the, the fart in the room, you know? It's like the mood drops and people turn away and can't meet your eye and there's a bit. 
slight exaggeration, but do you know what I mean? That's that's what happens. Um, so it's quite daunting. The idea of bringing this book out on my own felt very David Brent. It felt like I was going to end up with a pile of them. You know, if I got 300 printed, I felt like I was going to have a pile of 280 in my garage. You know, 20 have gone to my mum, right, my uncle, and a couple of sympathetic mates. So that was the fear, but it was also the driver for me because I absolutely didn't want it to be that. Um, you know, the attraction was the feeling that with the understanding of the process of making a book, which I'd learned through my experience with Lid and doing champagne and wax crayons and paying attention to all the things that went on, and with a strong network of talent that I had mustered through 12 years of freelancing, I could invest a little of my money up front and a lot of my time and retain the lion's share of the sales without the pressure to shift thousands and thousands of copies to make that same amount of money. That's what the deal was. And I wanted to bracket this as the same way that a lot of you guys will sell prints out of your online shops. You know, this wasn't something I was fixated on getting into Waterstones. This was something that I want, would be very happy selling 200 copies so that I could make a small profit and get the book out there and there would be limited edition and it would be more sought after because of that. So that's, you know, less is more um, is a big advantage. So that's where I was. So that's what your mum is. It's 21 stories um, based around these items of street furniture. And it is stories from Britain's cultural underbelly. They're rude, they're naughty, they're funny. They're also quite solemn and reflective at times, but it's very much a mood piece. They are vignette-style stories, each with an illustration. It's a very small, short book. It's snappy, it's pocket-sized. It's something you can read on the toilet. In fact, I advise that you read it on the toilet. Um, you can read it on a train. You can pick it up, read a story in five minutes, one minute, 30 seconds, some of them, and you can get out. And that's what it is and I loved writing it and I'm having the best time at the minute as an indie author it's not to say I wouldn't go back to traditional publishing but at the minute I really am trying to make this work so let's have a look then it, it, there's a big big market out there and if you're thinking about going into that market I would highly recommend listening to the self-publishing show podcast because they really break down a lot of areas whether it's online marketing paid advertising um, branding yourself as an author, author websites, um, advertising on Instagram, you know, they really cover a lot of bases, producing a book trailer, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of help out there and that was one of the factors in deciding to go indie with this book. Um, and basically, I felt the strength of my brand as an illustrator and a fledgling writer gave me a strong starting audience and I felt reasonably confident that I could shift 200 copies and make my money back so I had a go there was nothing to lose um, I pulled the trigger essentially you know uh, I knew that going into an indie market if I didn't look the part if my website didn't look good in fact if I didn't have a website which I didn't when I made this decision so I spent a lot of time building that website um, that I wouldn't be taken seriously and didn't deserve to be taken seriously because I was an indie author and people look for the flaw they look for the shit book cover or they look for the bad grammar so I had to do it properly and I spent about one and a half grand of my own money um, to make it look good, to get an editor, to work closely with the professionals and the specialists that I would need to make this thing as good, if not better, than a traditionally published book. So that was my thinking. I pulled in skill swaps, I got mates rates deals from friends who wanted to help out, and in return I've done the same. There are ways of making it happen. 
um, if you don't have all the money up front. So that was the plan. Um, worst case scenario, I would end up with a project under my belt that I cared about, a small loss of money, which is, you know, you take that gamble all the time by being a freelancer. So I did it. Um, there was a lot of learning. I had to learn, and I think any indie author has to learn how to produce and narrate an audiobook if you want to have an audiobook, which I have. Same goes with an ebook, you know, how do you put together an ebook file? What's the right file for Kindle? What's the right file for Nook or Google Books? They're all different, so that's a little head scratcher. How do you make a video trailer? You know, that's kind of important if you want to get ahead these days. Video content is great for social media. How do you do that? Who's going to do the voiceover? Who's going to animate it? Is it going to be video, live action? All things to consider. What's the campaign going to look like? Because you need one. How are you going to implement it? Are you going to pay for online advertising? Um, how can I, you know, this was something for me. How can I use social media more effectively than simply going, my book's out, buy it please. Because people don't respond to the hard sell anymore. It has to be organic. It has to be real and it has to come from you. Um, so that was important. How would I get into the book blogging community, which is ferocious and passionate and wonderful. And if you can get into that, you know, um, great things can happen unless they hit the book and they tear it to pieces, in which case, duck. <laughs> How could I trust my fiction work, you know? Um, I did get imposter syndrome. I do get imposter syndrome. Thankfully, 12 years of being an illustrator teach me that it's a passing thing and it's not always real. So that was consideration. So let's get into ups, first of all. Let's go with the positive stuff. The big plus points are you keep the lion's share of the revenue. So, like I said, for every book sold with champagne and wax crayons, I was making £1.10 in every 13 quid cover price. This time around, the book is selling at 9 99 plus postage, and I keep everything in that 9 99 apart from any uh, costs to make my investment back. So not a lot, basically. I'm keeping most of that profit. Um, so that's a major plus point, right? Of course, you've got to shift them off your own back to do that. Um, what else we got? Freedom to act fast. So this is a big one. Uh, one down with a traditional deal is the fact that things can move at a very slow pace. Um, you know, if you have an idea and take it to the publisher about a campaign, you can, you know, you can be waiting three weeks for an email reply and you can't get hold of someone on the phone. And even if you do, they have to run it past, you know, who, somebody else, someone in the marketing team. They take ages to get you a file. It can be really infuriating. With an indie book, when it's all on your charge, you have the time to, to knock things out of the park and to turn it around really, really quick, you know? Um, so anyone who's been following this book, Your Mum and Other Stories, will know that Sean Ryder is involved, Happy Mondays front man. You know, we're talking about a real cult figure here, a proper celeb, and he's perfect for that book. So my dog, Walter White, and Sean's dog, Malcolm, are best mates, and this happened by chance, and for, you know, I remember seeing Sean walking the dog and I said hello and you know we had a, we had a little little small talk chat and since I've become friends with his lovely wife Joanne who is a part of his management team and Joanne is very passionate about creativity so one thing led to another Sean Ryder gets involved on the book and I was able to get a voiceover a guest reading for the book trailer for the story Gerin and I was so excited about that but once I got that I had the freedom to just go mental and to make a trailer and animate Sean on the trailer. And I didn't have to ask anyone to get that signed off. So you can move at a pace and you can make decisions like that. And you can do guerrilla marketing and you can just do things at a breakneck speed. That's an advantage with indie publishing. Um, so full creative and editorial control 
this can be good this can be bad again know your circle of competence because if you don't bring an editor in and there's a lot of grammar errors in there people are going to just reject this book and, and you know bad reviews are going to happen you're not going to get the press that it might deserve um, same with the creative make sure you've got a book cover a good book cover a well-designed book uh, that's legible that reads that's well typeset if you don't have those skills find a way to get the professionals in whether it's a skill swap pay them properly whatever it might be make it happen but it can be a great thing you know having the freedom to really truly own this project can be an awesome thing on a visual level um, it was crucial for me that all aspects of this book were A1 because otherwise I was the classic self-publishing lesson of why not to do it you know um, but it's fun collaborating too you know getting my a close friend in there Danny Allison awesome photographer we went out to the woods and shot me as a sheep ghost at seven in the morning go on the website and you'll see what context that lives in and why it works and we had great fun doing it my wife laura graphic designer um, i commissioned her to lay the book out it took the stress off my part it freed up some time in my schedule and i got a beautifully designed laid out book by a professional who knew exactly what she was doing again circle of competence it's cool doing a lot of it yourself but know where your strengths start and finish maximize the strengths bring in specialists for the weaknesses if you pay attention to all that and you get it right the creative freedom is a really really big advantage of indie publishing um personalization so you know again indie model i'm doing the paperback books exclusively through my online shop it means that I can personalize each book write a little message in there i've been i gave a, a, an original illustration away to the first 30 people who bought the book and um that was awesome you know people really enjoying that and sending a little message saying thank you so much for the signature and the personalization really really cool and exciting um that's a lot of the ups there are many benefits you know and once you've got an ebook and an audiobook out there they stay out there they are infinite platforms because it's digital and you also then uh you know you retain all your rights so if if you do get approached by you know a media company who wants to make a tv series or film or do something else with your work then it's entirely in your hands you can make that decision you know there are agencies out there who specialize in media rights that you can then approach and go look I'd love to you know i'd love to give you a percentage to make this happen so that you get the right contract and the right figures for it all um the downs what are the downs time um time just runs away you're one person it's a lot to manage um i found it difficult throughout this whole campaign it's not that i haven't you know i've got a lot of good press and, and the book's selling all right but i just wish i had two weeks in every week to make this happen you know and i also wish i had the budget to bring in a pair of helping hands fact is i don't and this is my first paperback indie venture so i have to do it all myself i have to make good with what i have until I can afford to do it all another way and I'm sure that'll happen down the line but for now it's a frustration um, with a publisher you know p more people will be handling more things so you will have more time to focus on press and writing um, and pushing the thing out there reach is another down you know unless you're very fortunate and you've got a big beefy press list with loads of personal contacts and distributors and bookshops who you know you can speak to stockists then you're gonna have to spend a lot of time knocking on doors and you're gonna be met with a lot of skepticism because it's indie publishing and not everyone's very open to that you know just because you know your work's good and well produced as anything in waterstones doesn't mean that any buyers or wholesalers or journalists will agree or even take a look so again something to bear in mind it takes time doesn't mean it can't happen it's happening for me but in very very small steps um and at times it's frustrating i will get there you know that's why i'm trying to build a big mailing list at the minute um 
so that I can reach more people direct. And, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. It takes time. Budget, that's another downside. It speaks for itself, you know. We're not all made of money, especially if we're going indie and we're doing these things off our own back. Um, I'm always a big advocate of investing what little I can afford to invest to move forward. But the truth is, a lot of us don't have a lot to invest, so we have to be thrifty. We have to think sideways and laterally and use free platforms like social media to our advantage. Um, you know, sometimes with a publishing deal, the budget will come from the publisher, and that is part of why you get small royalties because they will finance a lot of things. So, again, it's trade offs and making a decision depending on your character and the nature of your book. Um, imposter syndrome, I alluded to that earlier, but again, if you're new to it, you know, the knocks can really knock you down. So, you have to make sure it's done in your image very purely the right way so that even when you get the knocks you know that it's gonna you're gonna come out the other side the next morning or you know in an hour's time you're gonna feel better so yeah imposter syndrome is a very real thing it's no different to any other creative field um, waves of self-doubt in the face of exposure uh, to so much apparent success so Instagram and other authors doing really well can be very hard to fend off you know big patience is required but stay tough play well to your strengths and it's well worthwhile so I've covered quite a bit. Um, thank you to anyone who's bought your mum so far. You know, it's the first of its kind. I've seen enough to know that I'll go again as an indie author. So thank you to people who've bought it. It's available now, bentallenwriter.com. Today is the day of launch. Go and have a look at the animated video trailer that I put together featuring Sean Ryder, Gerim. Um, it's been a scintillating experience. You know, I'd love to thank you know my team, Laura Talon, uh, Dirty Freud, who's been my audio producer and helped me record the audio book, tidied up any audio and any video content that I've done. Danny Allison for photography, David Woods Hale for the editing. I've been blessed with um, an awesome surrounding team. Nick Asbury as well for his uh, mental accidental mentorship, whether he meant to or not, he's been a huge inspiration. So, you know, it's really really awesome, and I recommend anybody else considering this route. Like I said earlier listen to the self-publishing show featuring James Blatch and Mark Dawson. It's a wonderful, wonderful show um, and it will help you over the line. Plenty of online writing resources these days. Look at other publications, look at other indie books, what people are doing. I mentioned Jenny Robbins, Tom Gold. Um, you know, there are so many cool things. Get down and support your local magma shop and have a look at who's publishing what, where, how, and you know, you'll get loads of examples and it's fun, fun times. Start small build up don't put too much pressure on yourself do it purely and it can be incredibly fun um as i mentioned i'm going to put out a few accompanying readings from the book uh, your mum and other stories from the back streets of britain champagne and wax crayons the traditionally published example that i've used in this episode is still out there on any good online retailers and in selected bookstores enjoy uh, drop me an email hello at bentallon.com happily sort you out with a copy of either um and cheers for anyone who supported so far. It's uh, the, the the road is very long ahead. It's very daunting, but it's also very exciting. And I'm glad that I've done this. And I hope this episode has been of some use. Thank you again to the sponsors, uh, the Association of Illustrators, the AOI, the AOI.com, and IllustrationX.com. Uh, much appreciated. Cheers for listening, guys. Catch you soon on the podcast. Have a great week. Uh, keep the emails coming about the book. I love the feedback. A nice one. Uh, oh, and lastly, before I forget, anybody who has bought the book, you could do me an awesome favour by heading over to uh, Goodreads, um, preferably, or Amazon or any other online book retailer 
and dropping your thoughts little honest review would be most welcome they really help out in the authors so please please do make the time to do that uh, and of course review the podcast nice one guys hit us up on the social at mental and all one word at the rest on the mix cheers <laughs>